0: Hello and welcome to the Headfirst Podcast. My name's Joe O'Brien, I'm your host and creator of the Headfirst Podcast, and the Headfirst Instagram page which you can find using the handle HeadfirstZero. This podcast is here to bring you all things psychology and mental health, so check out the other episodes if you have an interest in psychology and in mental health. This podcast is sponsored by Spectrum Mental Health, who are a mental health company who do counselling and psychotherapy, as well as corporate psychology services so I work within their clinical team. If you have any questions regarding the services that I provide or the services that Spectrum provide, you can email me at joeobryan at mentalhealth.ie or contact me through my Instagram page. Hello and welcome back to the Head First podcast. Today we are talking about people's fears and concerns when it comes to going to therapy. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Molly Kate Richardson. Um, You were on the podcast before. I was. And we talked about a very different topic, but I thought it'd be really interesting to get your perspectives when it comes to people's fears and concerns, because you have obviously a good insight of what goes on in a therapy room as, as much as anyone else has that's what you do you know for your five days a week you see people all the time and and you've I guess the best experience and insight to talk about maybe some of the fears of why people don't go to therapy and why people find it difficult absolutely so with that in mind I think what I the way I want to kind of phrase it or or frame it is is going in order of what came up the most for people Mm -hmm. and the first thing that came up for people is and the most common one was why it's so difficult to open up now obviously we live in a society where people feel like they're maybe making progress on mental health stigma but we're not quite there yet are we
1: no um and i think first of all that concern is really really valid like it is scary opening up or it definitely can be um when it's something that we're not used to um and i think almost every therapist or most therapists should have been clients themselves and gone to therapy themselves. So we do have a sense of, I suppose, that nervousness and that fear of sitting in front of a stranger and trying to open up and trying to talk about difficult things with them. Um, And then I guess from the therapist perspective, you know, it's kind of our job to help the person find a way to open up. And so to do that at a pace that's right, for the client and kind of meet them
0: where they're at when you say that um therapists have kind of gone through or been a client that's an obligatory part of a lot of training courses right
1: yeah definitely in terms of um doctorate training programs so counseling psychology clinical psychology it would be a mandatory part of that training and i know some of the psychotherapy courses as well it's it's essential.
0: So you guys have been in that seat essentially like yes. <laughs> mandatorily but you've been in that seat before right you to some extent you can understand similar concerns f- f- for yourself right these issues are difficult because people have to kind of make themselves vulnerable um for the first time and maybe they haven't done that before
1: definitely and i think it's something that people in general, like you said, in society, we're not used to being vulnerable like that, Mm. um, which is unfortunate. And, you know, it's sad to think that people don't often have the opportunity to be vulnerable and open with other people. Um, But coming into therapy can be a totally new experience for someone. Like they they might have no idea what to expect. Mm. And yeah, like we definitely are becoming more open, um, particularly in Ireland, about talking about therapy. It is more common maybe for for people to go to therapy but I think there's still a lot of misconceptions or people don't really understand the process or what it is like to sit in front of a
0: therapist and I think because it's been so stigmatizing for so long like in our society let's say hypothetically a lot of people would have had the experience maybe of maybe opening up about something and getting the reception of of stigma, right, getting the the poor response. Maybe they've talked about emotions and someone said, oh, don't bring that up, you know, that's depressing. And it's no wonder that maybe we're conditioned to feel worried about bringing these things up because of the stigma attached to that. Would that be right? Is there this level of maybe we've internalised some of that stigma that we experience in our societies?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's so common as well that clients will come in with this idea that they might be judged or you know a therapist might might not listen to them or might not validate their concerns and like clients will often say that to me in the first couple of sessions that that's something that they're
0: worried about Okay, and with that in mind you mentioned there the first couple of sessions could you give people an outline who like people who will be listening to this maybe haven't experienced therapy before and maybe are on the fence maybe they feel like they need therapy or they'd like to try therapy Mm -hmm. but they have these concerns what does a best session obviously every session is different depending on the person and what's going on, but can you give us some kind of insight as to what goes on in, in that first session? Because I think it's it's quite daunting when people say, like, I'm worried about what to say and you know, it's really difficult to open up. What does a first session look like? Because I guess from the inside, like I obviously do my own work and, and you do your own work. On a very basic level, it's two people having a chat about a very human experience of you know feeling sad or feeling down or anxious or whatever that is can you give people an idea of what happens when they go in and sit down in front of someone like yourself
1: yeah definitely um I think it's important to say that every therapist will do it slightly differently but you know there will be kind of some common points across say session one for people so usually the way I started is kind of an introduction um, to myself and to how the process works so for example like it's a 50 minute session we'll meet once a week or once every second week depending on what's going on for you and speak a bit about confidentiality explaining to the person that everything they say stays in the room and stays between me and them and then really the first session is just about getting to know the person like I'm of course interested in say the specific problem or issue that's brought the person there But I'm also interested in the whole person. Like, I want to know their hobbies, I want to know about their friends, their families, the things that they like, as well as the difficulties that they're experiencing.
0: So a little bit about what life is like at the moment, essentially.
1: Yeah, trying to kind of understand what their world is like, really, um, and kind of step into their shoes as much as I can. And I guess in that first session as well, I'd always encourage people to bring up any concerns about the process or about therapy. And um, so like if you are feeling nervous about it or if you have specific questions about how it works to say that or ask those questions is really really important because i suppose i'm trying to get a judge of where the person is at so that i can work with them in a way that i suppose matches where they're at but also to help them say open up a little bit mm. or helps them kind of get to where they want to be or talk about what they want to talk about and that's
0: an interesting point you say of um meeting them where they're at right i think some of the concern is maybe people feel under pressure that they have to disclose all of these kind of big things straight away like let's say someone has a particularly traumatic or difficult experience that they've had trouble even thinking about themselves never mind talking to a stranger about you say meet them where they're at if someone feels that level of discomfort um how would that be approached i I presume that people would would or would be unlikely to kind of put someone under pressure to say those things is it a matter of kind of taking it like you said where the client's at and and going through those things slowly if they're particularly big
1: absolutely like if if there is something like that or even if a client is just particularly nervous we can go really really slowly really really gently like it is not a case of diving into someone's entire life or all their past traumas in the first 50 minutes It might take five sessions, 10 sessions to build up a connection between myself and the client to build up that relationship and I suppose show them that they're able to trust me um, before they might start and again, just start to talk about some of the harder pieces. I don't have an expectation that someone will come in in the first session and disclose something really difficult and equally if I'm working with someone for say a long time and something comes up in session 20 that they hadn't told me again there's no judgment there that is completely understandable people feel ready to speak about things or disclose things at different times
0: okay and, and therapists are kind of appreciative of that they understand that
1: absolutely and I guess another point on that like if someone maybe has a particularly difficult topic that they want to speak about but maybe don't have the language or don't know how to speak about it if they feel even comfortable saying that piece, that there's this thing that happened or there's this thing that I've been feeling and I don't even really know how to put it into words, but I want to try, again, that's really helpful because we can start there. Okay. I and mean, if that's where the person and it, Okay, yeah.
0: So you're, you're essentially, if people are kind of concerned or, or in that position, it's about you kind of getting on their side and on their page rather than them trying to kind of force anything. It's, it's yeah. done at their pace. Definitely. It's interesting because that kind of leads on to the, the, I guess one of the other really common ones that people said is that they don't know where to start or what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, in my head, I'm thinking you don't really have to. I'm thinking about my clients. like You don't really have to know exactly what to say. There is no right or wrong way to, to do this. Mm-hmm. I think, like you said, a, a good therapist will kind of acknowledge where that person is at and, and gently guide them through the process. But with people who have that concern, I don't know what to say or, or where to start, what kind of process would you know, let's say someone is in the seat across from you and, and they feel like, or they say to you, I really don't know where to start. Where does something like that go? And and would that be kind of comforting to hear for if, if you have concerns about therapy?
1: Yeah, I think like if the person doesn't know where to start, first of all, to say that and to sometimes with that, I'll talk to the person about what does it feel like to be sitting here with me and not really knowing what to say or what to talk about. And then sometimes, you know, I'll ask kind of simple questions like, what have you been feeling what has been going on those kind of general questions just to open things up a bit and i guess help the person feel a little more comfortable and a little more settled
0: so in terms of if someone did sit across from you it would be a matter of those kind of open-ended questions what's going on what's life like at the moment do you have any idea what's what's happening those kind of general questions to to get things going
1: yeah absolutely
0: great Now, people might feel more or less uncomfortable depending on who they're sitting across from. Mm-hmm. The We talk a lot about, myself and yourself, talk about the therapeutic relationship quite a lot and how important that is. One of the big concerns for people was, I don't know, firstly, what type of, of therapy to go for. Maybe we'll talk about that first. Mm-hmm. And then also, what type of therapist is right for me? So in terms of the right, inverted commas, right therapy is for someone, can you give people an insight as to, maybe how to gauge that or if there is even a, a way to gauge that.
1: Yeah, I guess this is tricky because I think there's not a lot of information out there about, say, like, types of, of therapy. There's no one right type of therapy. Like, all therapists will have a basic set of skills that you can kind of think of them as, like, the the ground level. Um, and then based on what the person is presenting with or is coming in with or struggling with, then it's about kind of figuring out where to go from there together based on where, again, where the client is at and what's going on for them. Like some therapists will have specific ways of working, say like CBT or EFT or psychodynamic. But really, you know, the way I think about it is and what the research says is there's no one particular type of therapy that is better than another. Like some types might suit a certain person more than, than others. But I guess if you... If you go to a, a counselling psychologist anyway, um, and I suppose it can only speak specifically for us, like we are trained in several different types of therapy. Mm. So while I might have a particular affinity to one type over the other, if I know that the person sitting in front of me that that type isn't going to suit them or, you know, I talk with them about it and it just sounds like that's not what they need right now, I can use another type. Okay. But
0: so you can draw you can draw on the different things that that, you know depending on what's needed in the moment
1: yeah yeah but again underlying that are that basic set of skills and then underlying that most importantly is the therapeutic relationship so it really is about the person the therapist is and how you can kind of connect with them and how Mm. they can connect with you
0: what I think about when I hear that is like If you have a physical health issue or something along those lines, you kind of go to a doctor and the doctor will, I guess it's getting a little bit different now. The patient is maybe more involved, but the doctor will generally prescribe a thing. You know, we trust medical professionals or, you know, other professionals, even like physios to kind of do the right thing. Is there an argument there for people to like go to a a well-qualified therapist and trust them to maybe use the right techniques or approach for that person or how does it work is it more collaborative than that
1: i do think it's important when you're you're choosing someone or looking for someone to is to look at their qualifications um and even that part like i know that can be so confusing because there's counseling psychologists clinical psychologists health psychologists psychotherapists um I suppose in our service it is maybe done quite well i think in that when you ring up to book an appointment you can if you feel comfortable say a little bit about what's going on for you and be matched with a therapist you can also give a preference for say a male or a female therapist just on who you feel you might be more comfortable speaking to and okay. um, so i suppose yeah that that would be important
0: so the qualifications of the therapist possibly looking at matching you with someone who maybe has experience in the area of the thing that you're struggling with yeah and what what about the worry then about the specific type
1: in terms of theory
0: yeah yeah. like cbt versus you know act versus psychodynamic like yeah should people get kind of caught up with that or, or is it really important to find a specific type
1: no, I'd really advise against getting caught up in that. Because I think at the moment, like, when people talk about therapy, there's all this stuff out there about CBT. Like I'd say, a lot of people haven't even heard of, say, EFT or ACT
0: or some... EFT, by stuff. the way, is um, not emotional freedom techniques. It's emotion-focused <laughs> therapy, just to clarify. The other tapping things is, is just, yeah, let's not talk about that.
1: Yeah, there's a, a, a group, I suppose, of evidence-based therapies that... Yes. Qualified psychologists would all have a decent knowledge of and would be able to use. So I'd really say don't get bogged down on the type of therapy. Like, I understand that, say, with CBT, for example, a lot of people will come into me and say, I'm looking for therapy, I've heard of CBT. And based on what the client is presenting with, I will then talk with them about why CBT might be useful and equally why it might not be useful or why it might be partially useful for a while and then to kind of delve into something else.
0: So it can, I guess, it is partially collaborative if someone has that concern, yeah. that they can talk with the therapist about it yeah, and make kind of an informed decision then. Yeah, but and, really
1: I'd advise people to, to focus on the therapeutic relationship. Like that, yeah. the evidence shows, is the thing that gets you, I suppose, an outcome rather okay. than the type of therapy.
0: And when you say uh, the therapeutic relationship you've been in the client shoes and you've been in the therapist shoes what does a good therapist give you in terms of what does it feel like when you have a good therapeutic relationship I presume it comes down to things like trust and connection and, and feeling heard I guess but are there what what kind of things can you look out for if you have a good or, or not so good relationship with your therapist
1: yeah i think you really need to feel understood or you need to feel at least like the therapist is trying to understand you trying to step into your shoes understand how you see the world and and why that might be the kind of influences that have, have led you mm. to that point you need to feel empathy coming from the therapist and um, and and care because like honestly therapists really really do care Mm -hmm. genuinely about their clients Um.
0: what about the what pops into my head is is I often hear people saying you have to like your therapist and I know that's I've heard people kind of challenge that there are situations where you can have a really good therapist doing the right thing and you might necessarily like them can you explain a little bit about that
1: I don't believe you have to like them but I do believe you have to feel understood heard I believe that you need to feel like the therapist's responses to you are genuine like if you feel a therapist is saying something and you're like "Mm, I don't really believe that they mean that yeah that's maybe a flaw in the therapeutic relationship okay but again all of those different pieces take time to build yeah and
0: even going back to that initial question of how difficult it is to open up right Mm. if you've been conditioned by your society your friends your family whoever are the people that you interact with maybe you've had a bad experience with a health professional before and maybe you've been conditioned to feel worried about expressing yourself if that is the case I would imagine people shouldn't even try and go that far that quick and build or give that relationship a chance because what I guess the therapist is then showing them is that they care. They're giving them a different or a new response to bringing up something difficult. So yeah. I guess tying into that first question, it, it probably is important, right, to, to get that therapeutic relationship even before going super deep into, into what's going on.
1: Definitely. Like, it's my job to show you empathy um, and to show you that I'm genuine in what I say to you and to show you that I'm trying to understand you. And... You know I love when people bring up to me that say they didn't feel something felt genuine or they're worried about being judged. Like I think if you can if you can bring that up and say that that is a fear that can be so helpful because then we can talk about okay why are you afraid of being judged? Have you been judged before? What's it like to sit here and have me say that I really don't want to judge you and you know i'm trying my best not to like that's really really good work kind of, coming kind, from of
0: kind of challenging the the narrative maybe that they've seen before of you know emotions are unhelpful or they're not accepted in, yeah, in the world
1: definitely
0: what's your opinion on kind of therapist shopping as in trying one moving on trying one moving on now i know uh that can be appropriate when you don't have a good therapy relationship where you're mm. not getting what you need. But there's also the argument for kind of giving it a chance, right? Like where do you stand on, on the idea of kind of shopping around or trying and leaving?
1: I definitely think you need to, to give it a chance um, and think about it. Like I
0: why is that? Why 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 give it more than kind of one or two sessions?
1: I think it depends because in general relationships take time to build and often in the first session like by the time I've explained to the person a bit about the process about confidentiality you know 10 minutes can be taken up by me talking and then I'll be asking lots of questions about who they are and what's going on so often in the first session it's like getting to know them but it's also getting a lot of information so you know the relationship is not fully formed after session one
0: yeah And you can't be expected to get everything you need, maybe, or even to feel that relationship mm -hmm. after 40 minutes of interaction, right?
1: Definitely. And that's
0: the argument for giving it a chance before kind of moving on, maybe.
1: Yeah. And I do think, as well, though, like sometimes it's like any human relationship, you know, sometimes you'll sit in front of someone and think, like, no, this is just not going to work for whatever reason. Depending on where you're at, I think then it's about if you feel comfortable to say it to the therapist, like, I don't feel comfortable with you because of X, Y, Z. And again, that could be because they remind you of someone or you've had a difficult experience with someone of that age, gender, whatever. Um, or they just feel like you just feel like they haven't understood you. So if you can bring that up, all of these things can be worked through and really positive work can come from that. But I understand sometimes people aren't at that position yeah. straight away. So, you know, if you sit in front of someone and you're like, this definitely is not going to work. Um, that can maybe, be okay kind of Yeah, maybe yeah. give it one more chance but if you're like absolutely no yeah. that's okay I
0: think there are like you said in any human relationship there are people we come across in life and not that we don't like that person but we just feel like this person isn't for me yeah. like they might be a perfectly lovely person but yeah. you think this person's not for me and I think that can definitely come up and if there's I guess no chance for work there then, then maybe that that would be an okay situation yeah
1: it's situation dependent person dependent
0: one of the other questions that comes up is about opening a can of worms. People wrote a lot in the question box about they're worried about what might come up or mm. worried about opening a can of worms. Is that kind of common from what you've seen or, or how would you manage someone who has that concern?
1: Yeah, I think firstly, it can sometimes feel like opening a can of worms. Like if you've gotten through however many years of your life, maybe not addressing certain things or not talking about how you're feeling and then all of a sudden you come and sit in front of someone and you maybe either want to talk about how you're feeling or you feel like you need to it can definitely feel like opening kind of words and there can be a fear of where is this going to go but again I think addressing that with the therapist to say that to say I'm afraid of where this might go I'm never going to force client to talk about something.
0: Yeah.
1: I can help them to talk about something if they want, but I'm never gonna force
0: it. Yeah, and that's that's actually what I was what I was gonna ask is like, you know, these things obviously can feel really big Mm. and can feel really difficult. But when someone's worried about, you know, that idea of opening a can of worms or you know when you kind of shake a fizzy drink and you open that and it just goes everywhere, I guess what it is about is like you said, meeting the client where they're at Talking with them in a way that's kind of on parallel with them to the point where it doesn't explode or it doesn't go too quickly to the point where they're kind of overwhelmed. Would that be kind of right?
1: Yeah. Like, my job definitely is not to, like I said, delve into everything and get you completely frazzled and overwhelmed in any session. Yeah. Like, as a therapist who works a lot with people who've experienced trauma, A lot of my work is about trying to gauge where the person is at as we're talking about some difficult things. And if it seems like the person is getting too activated to the point of, you know, maybe getting too anxious or kind of getting panicked or something like that, I will check in, I will say that. And if we need to take a breather and talk about something else or if we need to just take a few deep breaths for a couple of minutes, that is absolutely fine. It's about meeting them where they're at.
0: I think I have the same kind of experience with essentially what I do is like nutrition interventions technically um although not a lot of what we talk about is, is food sometimes but people kind of often maybe have that concern about you know why are we talking about this do we need to go into this type of thing because our past experiences can shape what are our, our what is currently expressed through food maybe our past experiences can shape how we are with food and getting an understanding of that can mean helping someone but again from my own perspective and my own experience it is about okay this bit might be important do you feel like it's important to you do you want to kind of address this part or do you feel it contributes at all and sometimes people just don't they think you know that's not relevant and we can kind of leave it there Mm. but if it I guess continues to come up then we can talk about you know this thing seems to be a recurring thing Maybe it's worth talking about now or, you know, maybe you weren't ready at the time or that kind of finding that balance, I guess, with a client. Right.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. I think that's a really good point. Um, And also sometimes if there is a piece like that, that I feel or, you know, based on, say, theory or something that I know, if there's a piece that I feel might be contributing to what's going on, sometimes to give the client my rationale or my understanding for why this might be related. Yeah. And then again, to put it back to them. Do you want to? talk about it a little
0: bit and that's that was was part of my notes to to ask you was that idea of you know you don't have to go anywhere but what if there's a bit that is important and then what sprung to my mind was like what's more distressing Mm. what's what's kind of the pros and cons and like weighing up if you do go down that route maybe that you're worried about is that is talking about that and kind of bringing that up in a session or in multiple sessions is that Going to be more difficult for you than staying the way you are, maybe mm-hmm. currently. And where do you stand on that? Like when people have those those concerns.
1: I think it really depends. And um, I do, like I said, I like to provide some sort of an explanation or my understanding of why it might be useful to talk about this piece and say, give some sort of a sense of how we might be able to talk about it in a way that feels safe for the client, but. I think they need to be empowered to make the decision like if they decide no actually I'm not going to go there and I'm going to stay the way things are because that's the decision that I'm making that's what I feel like right now I can tolerate better that's fine like I respect that and but I I guess I want the client to be in the position where they can make an informed decision about that yeah you and know, part of
0: that is informing them of i guess your knowledge your experience your ba- backed up by theory or research yeah. or whatever that is
1: yeah and i okay. think that's different being in that position is different to being in a position where the client feels that piece is too scary i can't go there okay and um, so it's about you know i suppose in that case talking through the fear talking through what we could do to kind of help you to talk about it
0: yeah yeah and then maybe i guess a similar end of the scale out uh, I guess at one point but also the opposite end of the scale the idea of some people's concerns being that my problems aren't big enough mm-hmm. right I guess this is partially I've I've a big problem with this first of all maybe we might just hear your perspective on that first before I go on to my rant maybe but the idea that my problems aren't big enough um what would you kind of say to people who are listening who, who have that concern again that quite valid concern
1: yeah really valid concern but honestly i feel so sad hearing people say that and again often clients will say that to me in in the first session that oh i don't even know if i should be here this isn't big enough but if the problem is affecting you then it's big enough then it's worth talking about because you're worth it you're important and like sometimes a client will come to me for two sessions and sometimes a client will come to me for two years both of those clients are equally as important to me. They're equally as valid and yep. their problems or issues are equally as valid. Yeah.
0: I, I think a really good example that I, I heard recently when people say, you know, Oh, my problems aren't as bad as other people, so I don't I don't want to go to therapy. I don't want to waste the therapist time. That was another one that came up. Um someone actually mentioned to me recently a really good example that if you have a broken ankle, but someone else has a broken ankle and a broken leg, it doesn't stop your ankle from being sore, right? Mm-hmm. Your ankle is still broken. So just because others may be impacted more, or had a, has a significantly greater maybe effect on someone's life, it doesn't mean that your difficulties should be ignored. And it's really interesting because there's probably a, a big group of people who are high functioning people, mm-hmm. right? They're holding down a life, a job, relationship, whatever else their feeling of kind of internal distress might be just as great as someone who's like really like has a significant impact on their life right
1: oh definitely i think like we cope with distress in different ways some people actually the distress can say make them focus more on their job as like a distraction so they appear more high functioning um but inside the internal distress can be the same as someone who say can't get out of bed in the morning or something. So it's like
0: expressed that. differently basically. Yeah. So like one person might channel that through work or through like ultra productivity yeah. or whatever that looks like, but other people might be the the polar opposite.
1: Yeah. And as well on that, like if you're in a position and you recognise that there is some sort of distress, even if you think it's not that bad or whatever I'd much rather you come to me at that point and do however many sessions you need rather than wait and let it potentially snowball and get worse and then need far more sessions down the line. Uh,
0: Even just to go in for one session and see Mm. this is what's going on for me. I'm not sure if it needs addressing and I guess rarely but maybe someone might turn around and say you know okay maybe today was enough or today and another session was enough to kind of give that person the reassurance but at least then if it is maybe a little bit more distressing for them that they're in the right place it's like going to the doctor for a checkup right Mm. it's like maybe you know i have back pain i don't know if it's bad or if you know something sinister there or or you know it's fine and he says oh it's a muscle spasm you're fine and then you're checked out and you're gone or you're they might say you need surgery on that or you need treatment on that and then it can be ongoing and i think something similar can happen in a mental health space right you could go in and think I have these concerns is it something that needs addressing and and kind of get that guidance right
1: definitely and I have had clients come and say things like that in the first session like oh I'm not really sure but this has kind of been coming up and I suppose then what I'll do is say, right, these are the pieces that I see that we could work on um, and here's how we could kind of go about that process and, and talk about it. Mm. And it's like, do you want to give it a try or, or not? And yeah. Again, it's always in the client's control as to whether they want to go for it or mm. not or whether they want to do a few sessions and then stop or, or whatever.
0: I think one of the reasons that our, our you know, my problems aren't big enough is so valid is there's a part of it that's reinforced by the system, by the public health system specifically, but kind of accessing services, I think, is, is a big one. The idea that you can't get support um, or you can't maybe get a referral or you can't get access to a certain mental health professional because you don't meet the criteria. So there's a part of our system, right, that, that literally gives people the idea that if their problems aren't big enough, you don't need the help. What do you kind of think about that?
1: Yeah, like the system is flawed in many ways. Um, <laughs> that would be a whole other podcast. Like there's a lot of barriers to accessing services. Mm. Um, so like for adults, there's counselling and primary care, primary care psychology, and then there's adult mental health. And I suppose the way things are split is... Usually, say, people who are referred to adult mental health will be seen as, like, more severe, quote-unquote. Okay. Um, but again, it's, yeah, it's dependent on what criteria or, or yeah. diagnosis you meet. And again,
0: like, someone who might have their life turned upside down by a mental health issue would maybe be seen as more severe. The person with all the exact yeah. same internal distress who's high-functioning might not get access to the services just because they're expressed in different ways kind of thing right
1: yeah and it particularly happens with the child and adolescent services Um, I've from what I don't work in those services but from what I've heard it happens maybe more frequently there and then we also have the early intervention and disability services so sometimes things can get a bit muddled in terms of diagnoses and people being referred from yeah. one service to another and, you know, getting you might things, meet the
0: criteria for one yeah. and not the other and you have to go through all the process and that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So lots of barriers in that system and yeah. lots of flaws.
1: People can be kind of thrown around from one service to another sometimes. That's not to say, like, there's not really good psychologists working in those services and sometimes people who can access them get great support. Mm-hmm.
0: One of one of the things that com- comes up as well, um, or that came up in, in my question box was the idea that they'll think I'm crazy. The therapist will kind of think I'm crazy or there's, you know, this is really severe. Um, Now I have my own kind of thoughts on this because I think my first session with most of my clients, often they, when I talk about like monitoring their food or talking about, you know, they're like, oh, it's really bad. You've probably never seen anyone like me before. Mm. And the kind of opposite is is true I think it's it's quite understandable and I think because maybe we understand the behavior maybe we understand the the concept of of mental health and how it's expressed for us or, or for me anyway it's it's definitely quite people's struggles are often quite understandable but maybe they don't have the understanding of them right we don't really learn about psychology we don't learn about mental health When someone comes to me and they, you know, show me their food diary, they they talk about their their food behaviour, they might think that that's completely out of the norm. But to me, it's a very understandable, very kind of rational response to distress sometimes. And if someone feels a lot of distress, that's the way they'll um, express it. So they come to me and they think, I must be crazy or I must be totally like the worst that you've ever seen. But in fact, to me, it feels very valid, very understandable is that something that you've experienced that people come in and, and think that you're going to kind of judge them and feel like they're crazy as, as the quote? Is?
1: Definitely. I think sometimes when people have that idea that the therapist will think they're crazy, like you said, it's actually because they're judging themselves so harshly and they think that what's going on for them is so outside of the norm. Whereas for us, like you said, it, it's usually understandable like I haven't met a client who I haven't I suppose been able to understand their difficulties in terms of a context or in terms of what's been going on for them or what they've learned or what they've grown up with mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. like I I've never honestly been shocked by something that a client has told me has been been going on for them given a context and given an understanding yeah. of their
0: world. Yeah, and and it might feel, I guess, on that extreme level for somebody, um, and it might feel like the worst thing in the world, or that you're totally off the wall. Mm. But at the same time, in working with, I guess, a therapist, you can actually gain an understanding. You can actually get to the point. I've now I've experienced with some of my clients that. The process is about firstly kind of helping them understand, helping them get a gauge of why this is going on or why you feel this way and again that's very understandable and valid given the context so i think that idea that they'll think i'm i'm crazy um although it it is very understandable because people don't have that insight maybe into their own issues or why they feel the way they feel or how they behave that the process of of therapy maybe will challenge that idea of feeling crazy right definitely
1: and i think you can work with a client to get to that insight um, you know just in terms of what, what I might say or what I might explain or you know how they might kind of come to that realisation themselves um, and that part of the work can be so validating and important for people, for yeah. them to realise that oh that's why I do this thing or that's why I am this reacting way. in this yeah. way and it just allows them to have much more compassion for themselves which then helps their mood yeah. and so on
0: that's all in terms of the, I guess, people's fears and worries. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, another huge one, and I didn't include this in the middle, but it was one of the top asked questions. I didn't include this in the middle in the middle because it didn't quite fit. It wasn't a fear necessarily or a concern, but it it definitely is a a big barrier to accessing therapy, which is cost or money. Firstly what can people actually do or is there things people can do if they genuinely can't afford therapy if they can't afford private therapy what are the alternatives there
1: yeah look first of all it is really expensive and i say that as a therapist and a client and it's definitely a privilege to be able to pay for it um i wish it was more readily available and free for everyone but unfortunately it's not so i guess there are a couple of other avenues people can go down like a lot of places a lot of centers will do low cost counseling if you google low cost counseling Dublin a lot of places do come up. you can go through the HSE for adults there is counseling and primary care sipsy if you are a medical card holder, you can get free sessions there and um, if you are a college student i 'm pretty sure all of the co- colleges now at this stage and um, most of them anyway do have access to counseling services. Mm. And um, that can be really, really beneficial because often there's like really good people working in those services or sometimes the college referrals would be sent out to therapists in say an organization like okay. Spectrum, for example. Um, and it's free. And usually, like if you're doing a three or four year degree, say you get eight free sessions, you'll get another eight the following year and the following okay. year. So that can be a really, really good way for people to access it. That they wouldn't usually be able to. A lot of places as well will do student rates um if you are paying for it, if you ask, um or unemployment rates and things like that.
0: There are also like some places that might do sliding scales if yeah. you ask. Again, like yeah. maybe not um readily advertised or that kind of thing, but if yeah. there is a service that you want to access, it might be worth kind of talking about a sliding scale or, or what options are available within the service.
1: Yeah, it's always worth asking. Um, and I guess there are other free services like say Jigsaw, Peter House and, and yeah. you know things like that
0: okay. but it is really really expensive is self-help ever an option now i have my own again opinions on this and i think it's very difficult for someone to gain insight into uh, an issue like that without the kind of knowledge maybe behind it is self-help ever like a, a reply it's I'm not going to say it's a replacement because it's just not a replacement but is there things that people can do for themselves to kind of keep themselves going in the absence of therapy
1: yeah look like we've been talking about how important the therapeutic relationship is like that is the thing that causes change for clients okay and so I think to keep that in mind but look like we said therapy is really expensive and people aren't always going to be able to access it so if all you can access are self-help help books or youtube videos or whatever it might be Mm. it can be better than nothing
0: what i think about sometimes is like therapy can sometimes give us the opportunity to be introspective it can give us the opportunity to think and to formulate our thoughts it can give us the opportunity to kind of express ourselves is it worth looking for ways you can do that in your life kind of thing like is it worth reaching out for extra support from friends and family, potentially? Or like, is it worth trying to develop some sort of introspection or understanding of what's going on for yourself? Is, is that type of... Obviously, it's, it's the relationship that heals mm-hmm. and also the professional's kind of guidance on, on where things may, might go. But is there the argument for doing those other bits?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, again, it depends where the person is at. Like, if their mental health is... Is at a point where they're not able to engage with those kind of self-help things, or they're not able to go and talk to a family member or a friend. Like that's a, a different story then.
0: Yeah, that's quite common um, as well, right?
1: Yeah, but if the person is like highly functioning, is, you know, relatively kind of managing, then yeah, if you have someone in your life who can listen and offer non-judgmental support and and empathy, that's great. If they're able to yeah if you if you about. have
0: someone who can give you the yeah. appropriate support but again that's that's difficult in today's society because yeah. most people are like are aren't emotionally literate or even empathetic or or even would have an understanding of that i think there's a lot of cases that that i've worked with already that you know people give me examples of when they've had an inappropriate response or when they've told someone about their struggles and you know they've come back to them and said what are you crying about that for or you know why are you worried about that that's a ridiculous thing to be worried about and again that's the idea of yeah you can express it all you want but if you need that i guess part of it is you need that appropriate response right you need someone to to give you the response that you need or the support that you need
1: definitely and i think you know if you get the opposite kind of response like a oh don't worry about that like that can be so damaging to someone who is already struggling
0: yeah what about waiting lists? Um, People often get put off by waiting lists to the point where they won't even sign up for a waiting list. They'll think, oh, there's a waiting list, so I won't engage at all. Now, while it's, I guess, to me, like a bit of a tragedy that there are such significant waiting lists, would you encourage people to just go on them anyway? And why?
1: Yeah, look, definitely a really big issue. um, And we won't get into, you know, the problems there and how there are waiting lists or why um but yeah I completely understand people being put off like sometimes in the HSE services you might be told you might not get support for six months to a year but definitely still agree to go on the waiting list because you know things change you never know new people get hired there are cancellations there are no shows and and also Like if you put your name on the waiting list and then okay, you get a call in six months' time and you have already engaged other support or you feel you don't need it anymore, you can just say that. Whereas if you choose not to put your name on the list and say, say if some of those issues like, oh my problems aren't bad enough or you know, things like that come up and you say, Okay, I won't put my name on the list. Then six months down the line, you could be in a much worse place and have wished that you put your name on the list.
0: Yeah, so although like waiting lists aren't ideal, it is a win-win to some extent because it's either that the problem improves or gets better or you've found a better way to manage in that waiting list time or at the end of it, you you will get the services that you need or you will get access to the services at some stage, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. What about the people who can afford it Mm. but would have to make kind of sacrifices you've obviously worked with people who maybe have made the sacrifice do you think for some people it's it's worth it or is it worth considering making those sacrifices
1: again a really really tough one and it's very much on a case-by-case basis and i will talk with clients about that sometimes depending on what's going on for them say if it's a a long-term kind of difficult issue that it's going to need long-term therapy if that's not sustainable, if paying for that on a weekly or fortnightly basis is making the rest of the client's life harder, like if they're then struggling to put food on the table for their kids or to buy petrol for their car or whatever that is.
0: It's creating more stress basically.
1: Exactly. Then it's not worth it, unfortunately. And it's about looking at maybe can you access a different service yeah. that is is cheaper.
0: So there is a kind of line there as as to like what's beneficial or not. And then yeah. I guess there is the other aspect of if you can make it and it doesn't have a significant impact, yeah. it might be worth it, even though it's expensive.
1: Yeah. Like I think, you know, there are maybe people who, if they pay for it, it means, well, I know we're in COVID times at the moment, but it might mean normally that they won't be able to go out for dinner on a Saturday
0: yeah.
1: um, and they might have to go out every second Saturday instead. That might be worth it. Yeah. Again, like canceling your
0: subscriptions or you know, yeah. like not like living a a higher life essentially. Yeah. Okay. Or
1: like don't go shopping for a couple of weeks. You know, it, again, it depends on the, the person. person and their needs and where they're at.
0: And the last thing I have for you, Molly Kate, um, is time. What about people who say, "I don't have the time. Mm. I can't fit it in."
1: Again, understandable. Um, depending on the person, like we all. I suppose now her encouraged maybe to live these kind of busy lives and you know say if if you're a parent or if you're in a particularly busy job or something like that sometimes people really don't have much time and um, but again I suppose like the money thing it's about weighing it up can you set aside 50 minutes for yourself and will it make the rest of your life may be a little bit easier going forward while making that sacrifice or is setting aside 15 minutes going to completely stress you out you won't be able to be there for your kids you won't be able to do your job properly whatever throw a spanner in the works, yeah basically. if that's the case then no it's not worth it unfortunately and it's not the right time for you but you know if you can carve it out and it won't hugely disrupt the rest of your life then it can be worth it it's finding that time for yourself like it's an investment in Mm. you in your life
0: what I often say to clients about this is like they'll ask they'll say you know oh I I didn't do the you know maybe they had a self-care activity planned for themselves or maybe they had something that they wanted to do like working on their mental health or whatever it is I didn't do that because I had other things to do and I often pose the question to them okay what's more important like for an an example um oh I didn't go for my walk you know maybe Mm. someone's for someone walking is like stress reliever or manages their mental health maybe they say oh I didn't go for the walk because I had housework to do I'll often ask them the question okay so what's what's your priority at the moment is it keeping the house clean or is it um, you know looking after this big problem that you've set aside so much time and, and money for and often they'll think oh yeah no it's actually the it's actually this that I want to focus on and there are these kind of I guess sometimes habits but sometimes like the scripts we kind of tell ourselves that yeah. oh, I have to do the housework therefore everything else comes last and sometimes it's about challenging those limiting beliefs like that that get in the way sometimes The biggest barrier might be our own kind of perceptions of time or money or anything else.
1: Definitely. And I think with all of these things, like it's the therapist's job to pose those questions. But equally, like on what you're saying, sometimes for someone, the answer might be that actually the housework right now for me is the most important.
0: Yeah, because that that can give them the maybe the thing that they actually need. Maybe that will reduce the distress better in the long term than the walk, right?
1: So it's like... I suppose, from a therapist perspective, um, it's not about the answer for us, but it's about us like posing the question and then whatever answer the client gives is valid and is the correct one for them. But it's again, back to that thing of that they can make the informed decision yeah. that they know in saying yes to this, I'm saying no to this. Yeah,
0: It's it's best. it's giving them the opportunity to consider it. Yeah. We, we offer the question or we propose the, the theory and they kind of make up their own mind, right? Yeah. That's all we have time for. I'm aware we probably went a little bit over and I hope that was really helpful. Molly Kay, thank you so much for coming on again.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: If people do want to kind of book in with um, myself or Molly Kay, we both work for Spectrum Mental Health. Um, you can contact either of us through the website at mentalhealth.ie. Um, if you want to kind of book any appointments or anything along those lines thank you all for listening I really appreciate that thank you all so much for your interactions as well that was really helpful to kind of gauge what people's fears are and yeah like I said I I really hope that this was helpful